So what are some of the steps that healthcare sector entities are taking to bolster their breach prevention efforts? I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee, Executive Editor of Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with Day Snyder, who is the Delegated Oversight Program Manager of the Compliance Department with the Care Coordination Institute, or CCI, in Greenville, South Carolina. Day will be describing efforts underway at CCI to ramp up its data breach prevention efforts. Day, could you very briefly describe what CCI is? So CCI is a data company, and we provide services and solutions to meet the needs of clinically integrated networks and accountable care organizations and other healthcare providers and organizations. And we manage about 4 million patient record data today. Now, Day, with that said, can you briefly describe what you're doing there at CCI to prevent breaches, and what sorts of things are you focused on mostly? So our prevention efforts really evolve around three core functions. We use Box, which is preventative, so it has a lot of back-end security and governance to keep things from going where it's not supposed to. For things that may not go through Box, we use Fair Warning, and it is an after-the-fact But the kind of in-between from box to fair warning, we rely heavily on a very tight AD Azure infrastructure. So between box, Azure, and fair warning, um, we have a really, really tight data governance policy. And some of the results are, well, the good news is, as of today, we've had had not had any breaches yet. Um, But a lot of the things that we encounter tend to be phishing and scams and direct attacks against our infrastructure. Definitely with 4 million patient records, we are a target. In terms of how these technologies are working together, can you explain a little bit about how this all fits together? So our Azure system is identity management. So with proper monitoring on that, we know who you are and what you need access to. So that'll prevent you from accidentally logging into an EMR or a system you shouldn't have access to in the first place. And then fair warning sits on top of that for if you do have a function like you need to access Epic, which is our EMR. Fair warning makes sure and monitors break the glass reports and in healthcare you're not allowed to look at your own health record. Fair warning monitors that and sends off alerts. Um, And then on actual data exchange, we use Box, which is FedRAMP compliant, to move data back and forth so that we don't have as much encryption and things like that to worry about as far as a man-in-the-middle attack. So now when it comes to the fair warning, how does that work? Do you have staff that is examining some of the you know red flags that fair warning puts up? Or are you using this sort of as a, a managed security service? So we actually monitor fair warning in-house. The biggest benefit that fair warning adds to our organization is we monitor all of our critical applications through it. And they produce what is a people score or a people risk. Um, So it looks at me as an individual and the 20 applications I have access to and generates a risk of my behavior. So people like system administrators tend to have much higher risk scores. So we can go in and should it send off a red alert, we can look at that user across all the systems. We're not jumping back and forth, logging out of this, logging into that, running 20 different reports. Fair warning consolidates it into one smooth, clear picture. And so our internal staff look at that on a daily basis and as alerts come up. 
So now you mentioned that so far you haven't had any breaches, and the saying always goes that organizations have had breaches, they just haven't found out about them yet. How sure are you that you haven't had breaches, and what sorts of things do you sort of pursue in terms of any sorts of alert or any suspicious behavior that could indicate maybe a compromise somewhere? So one of the things that we look at from the outside, we're constantly monitoring and have barriers around where information is being accessed. We have close to 100 staff out in the field, but we have a general idea of where they're supposed to be and when. So even if it's just on the other side of the state, if something tries to log into one of our systems, it's shut down because that's not where any of our staff are predicted to be. And then as far as insider, because insider threat is always a possibility, we use Fair Warnings Intelligence Platform, and it kind of it creates a score for each user and knows each user's habits. So as soon as that user steps outside of their normal behavior, it sets off alarms that we know to go in and shut them down. So even down to one more download than usual, we have an alert to trigger that and shut it down. So we are extremely confident that we have not had a breach yet to date but we have hundreds of thousands of attempts on a monthly basis. And how long have you been using the Fair Warning products and services? We've been using Fair Warning for about a year and a half now. And you had earlier mentioned Box and and Azure. Tell us a little bit about how you're using that. So Box has something new called Box Platform, which allows you to build and develop your own applications, all within Box's secure environment which Fair Warning also monitors Box and anything that we build into it. So we use our identity management through Azure to access Box. Um, So we know exactly who needs what information and what they shouldn't get a hold of. And then Fair Warning monitors how they get into Box and how they use that information. Box's platform is wonderful in that thousands of people can reach it. Its licensing structure is unique so that if we have 100,000 patients, um, it's easily accommodated and We don't see a downtime or we're not constantly haggling over licenses. Um, So as our patients ebb and flow, fair warning and box are there um, in stride with us. So in addition to the fair warning, the box and, and Azure, what other sorts of steps or technologies are you using or potentially considering in terms of breach prevention or any other areas where you're looking to bolster the privacy and security efforts within your organization? Um, So our organization for 2018, we're really shifting our focus to communication, especially with today's age. You don't call the doctor's office. You can go online and book a web appointment. You can do an online telehealth visit or have a video chat with your physician. Um, We're starting to see a lot of physicians text back and forth with their patients. And no one really thinks that, hey, maybe I shouldn't type this into my cell phone, or could anybody get my data if I was having a video chat with my doctor? So as kind of technology evolves with healthcare, we're trying to keep up with that. We're looking at several software suites that patients and physicians and care providers can text and exchange medical images and video back and forth, all within a very um, constrained and secure environment. And that's really our focus for this year. So with that said, what are the biggest security and privacy challenges that you're dealing with these days? And what do you anticipate in 2018 looking ahead in terms of the cyber threats that you need to be tackling? 
So our biggest thing, and it's really a balancing act, of the proper amount of security against the patient experience. We can create the most secure environment in the world, but if a patient doesn't want to use it, it's useless and we put time and effort into something that doesn't have any value. So we see a lot of the online smart appointments and virtual assessments as the biggest risk because those are things that are being, you want to be able to access it from anywhere at any time on any device but that brings a whole level of issues within itself. New cell phones are coming out, Google phones, Microsoft phones, internet protocols to where you can, without even a cell phone, text and send things like that. So being able to adapt our security policies to meet those ever-evolving needs and the wonderful internet of things, while keeping the patient satisfied and taken care of is really where we're chugging along. And looking ahead to 2018, any other privacy or security-related initiatives that you're thinking about? It kind of feeds into our communication, but telemonitoring and telehealth around security is always a big thing. Over the past one to two years, the Internet of Things has absolutely exploded. Everything down to your washer and dryer have Internet capability and can think for itself. So with telemonitoring, your basic devices, your glucose monitor, your blood pressure cuff, all of that's now connected to the Internet and keeping it secure and um, the data transmitted from it to healthcare providers is also something that we're very aware of and trying to make sure that we stay in stride with the technology. And when it comes to the Internet of Things, any particular security approaches that you're considering at this point? We haven't nailed down one definite path or one definite method of doing things. For as soon as we figure out one thing, the Internet of Things has 20 other that we haven't thought of yet. So we're really taking it in stride as something comes out. Glucose monitors and things like that have been a big one. Evaluating the technology inside it and making sure that it can be secured in transmission. Thanks, Day. I've been speaking to Day Snyder. I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.